All right. So last weekend we uh, we had myself and Pastor Luke and Ben and Jerry and Liz and several teens and a few others. We uh, went, were up in Billings for our annual district teen retreat called Rejoice. And so I've asked Jerry and Liz to come share with us a little bit of what happened over the weekend, a little, some of the highlights that we had. Griffin and Ariana, if you want to stand up to hold up your projects, please. Tanner, you can come on up and hold up your trophy. <laughs> so Liz is actually counting right now, her offering. So last weekend we had the pleasure to go up to Rejoice with all these guys and got to learn a lot from them on the car ride up and on the car ride back and throughout the weekend. And these are their art projects. Griffin, would you like to tell what yours is? Put them, put them up a little higher, guys. People in the back got to be able to see, and they can't see. <laughs> Mine's just, um, I, drew, I drew the crucifixion of Jesus because... I drew a, the crucifixion of Jesus because that's something that's just really deep to me, and um, I spent like 10 minutes. Yeah, you hold it. I spent like 10 minutes drawing it because I don't know, but um, then I used oil pastels to blend colors and just make it pop more because I just felt like that would be better than paint or something. So. Um, so pretty much what mine is, that I, is I just drew a tree, um, some flowers, pretty much. I was trying to describe that God made the world for us and that we should live how the world wants us to and how God wants us to. Um, so I won top superior high school vocal performance at Rejoice. Um, I sang uh, What Faith Can Do by Cutlass. Um, I don't know what else I'm supposed to say, but that's what I did. <laughs> but, yeah, that's what I did, too, I guess. Yeah, that's what I said that. But. <laughs> um, the song, well, the song I chose, um, um, it always, it's like, it's saying that you can do things that if you have, if you have so, if you have faith, you can do everything that you can. You can do everything. Pretty much is what you can do. You can, um, with faith, you can do whatever you need to. I guess. And that song really stuck out to me, so I decided to sing it. Yes. Yeah, I think these kids learned a lot this past weekend. Uh, the speaker did a lot about God's love and Jesus's love and the and keeping Christ central in their lives, and I think they learned a lot. Liz, do you have anything you'd like to add? No, I was counting, but I think you guys... Look at these awesome, amazing kids. And Caleb, too. Caleb was there, and he did... Yeah, you have to be up here. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> All right, now you can be seated. Thanks, Vaughn. <laughs> hey, I, I, I do want to make... <laughs> Tanner, Tanner, what is the opening lines to your song? 
Everyone needs forgiveness. Everyone, everyone falls sometimes. Everyone falls sometimes. Everyone needs forgiveness. Tanner got up to sing, and, and for some reason, he sang it great here, didn't he, two weeks ago? And, uh, and he forgot the lines as he was stumbling to start. And everyone falls sometimes, and what we do, we, we had Tanner restart, gave him a chance, collect yourself, redo the, look at the words real fast, and look at what happened, right? So congratulations. <laughs> So I, for my talent, sang Battle of Jericho, and I got superior, just not top superior. <laughs> and, yeah. All right. That's it. Yes, that's good. You guys can be seated now. Thank you. Torturing these poor kids, making them stand. But it is a fun weekend. 105 students is about what we ended up with, and, and then about 100 adults and kids around, and, uh, and what a great time it was. Um, my friend Keegan Lanker was there to preach and to speak, and he spoke on the theme, You Are Loved. And it's just a reminder to our teens especially, who are going through such a tough period of history and, and time right now, that no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter what's going on at home, that you are loved. And there is a God who loves you. And, and what a great time. And, and a great weekend where we just celebrate teens and we do all kinds of fun things with them. And, and we get through it all and we get to my favorite part of the entire weekend. My favorite part of the entire weekend is the closing service. Not because I'm directing and that means I'm almost done for this year. Although it was fun this year because I had all of the teens and adults go to to Luke because that's a reminder to Pastor Luke, who's our NYI president for the district, that I have two more and then I'm done leading Rejoice. Uh, Caleb graduates, I graduate. And uh, that's how that will work. So, so some of you who don't like me going and being gone for Rejoice, you got two more years and then I'm all yours on that weekend. Careful what you wish for. Um, <laughs> no, but, but, it's, but it's fun because... Because we get done with all the anxiety of stuff. Over the weekend, there's the talent show stuff. There's, we added workshops this year. There's Bible quizzing. There's several wor- uh, worship services. There's sports. There's all kinds of things. And we get to Sunday morning, and we're able to just let out a breath. Whew. We're done with all that stuff. And it's like the mask kind of comes off from our students and it's, and it's just like there's a, just a more authentic piece to worship. And we worship in the morning, and we, and we try to, of course, we, it's a service to kind of send them off, the challenge to, here's what you've been learning so far, and here's what I want you to go do now. And, and it's a great time and a great realization together as we get done with the service of, of the message, and then we have communion as an entire district youth together. And the fact that we, we then have our adults who are holding the juice and holding the bread. And, and this year especially, as they're grabbing the bread, you are loved. You are loved. And then as they're dipping it into the juice, you are loved. You are loved. And that reminder of, of what we're trying to instill in them over the weekend. But it's also a time of just togetherness. A time to remind ourselves that we are, we are all one in the body of Christ. That these kids will then go home and some of them, there's one, two kids and that's their entire youth group in their church. Some of them have, you know, we have four or five in our youth group and that's great. And some of them have 
15, 20 that they go home to. But no matter what size you're going home to, you are part of this one large group here. And we're getting ready, and, and, and you guys as a whole church will get an announcement in a couple weeks. We're getting ready for Nazarene Youth Conference in 2019 in Phoenix, Arizona. And there'll be 7,000 teens and youth workers in Phoenix to worship with. But just that reminder of that, as we send them off, you are loved and that, and that togetherness, that we are together in this. And especially nowadays with social media and everything that binds them to even closer together throughout the year where they can talk to each other. What a great time. But this last week, as I was thinking about Rejoice and thinking about how everything went, and, and, and you know me, I'm a constant evaluator and constantly trying to tinker and, and what piece was working and what needed to be fixed and, and this and that, I couldn't help but wonder if I could ask each and every teen, when it came to your message about Jesus to you, has he changed you? Has he changed you? We had a whole weekend of fun, of celebrating, of, of togetherness, of worship. We had this great party of worship. And then we go back home to our regular routine, right? We go back to our regular schedule of things. I couldn't help but think of that today as we're looking at Palm Sunday and we're looking at the triumphal entry because we have almost the same thing happen at the triumphal entry. We have people who have gathered together in Jerusalem and they've gathered together for, for certain reasons and, and they see Jesus coming and, and you know what it's like. One person starts, starts praising and then all of a sudden someone else joins in and all of a sudden you've got a whole flash mob of stuff going on and you have a whole group of things happening but inside that group there are people who believe Jesus was the Messiah. There are people who who weren't sure, who are still studying him. And there are people who are like, I don't even know who this guy is, but everyone else is cheering, so I'm going to cheer. I think we get that at Rejoice. I think we get that in here on Sundays sometimes, that we all come from different backgrounds and different thoughts, and we just join in the party because that's what we do. Everybody likes a good party. And so we join in on that. So this morning we will be looking at the triumphal entry, but thinking of the question, has he changed you? We're going to open with looking at the book at Mark chapter 11, verses 7 to 10 is where, is where we're going to look. And we're just going to go to those, those few verses out of the whole story right there. But Mark 11, starting at verse 7. They brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes upon him, and he sat on it. Many people spread out their clothes on the road, while others spread branches cut from the fields. Those in front of him and those following were shouting, Hosanna, blessed, uh, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. I stopped right there. And he went into the temple. Can you imagine what that must have felt like? Can you imagine what that must have been like? Especially if you were a follower of Christ, if you were a disciple, if you were a believer, to be standing on the side of the road. People were lining the road, and they were there with branches, and they were there with, with their cloaks out, and they were there shouting. What a great experience that must have been. The only thing I can come close to thinking about was many of you know that we lived in the Philadelphia area for six years. And let me tell you, in Philadelphia, in, in that part of Pennsylvania, you love the Eagles, okay? The Eagles, they are life. And they've been waiting forever for the Eagles to finally win the Super Bowl. 
They don't care so much that 10 years ago the Philadelphia Phillies baseball won the World Series. That was nice. That was cute, you guys, but whatever. We want our Eagles to win. And they were diehard fans. And so when the Eagles finally won this year, and I'm glad Joe's not here, so it's not like I'm rubbing it in on him because they lost to the because they beat the Patriots. But um but they were so excited that they had those streets lined with people and crowded and overcrowded with people. I mean some of you, it wasn't too long ago, the Denver Broncos won the Super Bowl, and it was pretty crowded, but you're talking about the fifth largest city in the nation and surrounding areas. It was huge, and be able to watch online and seeing my friends' pictures that were there and, and, and then the parade and the, the videos that were taken and stuff like that, man, that must have been a great, that was a great celebration for those fans who were finally, finally had that Super Bowl they were so looking forward to. But I, I imagine that this day, this parade of Jesus coming into Jerusalem was nothing like that. It was a lot better. There was a lot more shouting. There was a lot more energy. There was a lot more excitement. Why? Because they were expecting something great to happen, and they gave him the welcome of a king, a conquering hero coming to help them take over. The Jews, most of them thought that Jesus was the Messiah, but he was going to be the one to come and save them. They believed the Messiah was a conquering hero. A hero who was coming to help them restore, restore them to their greatness once again. And so they were energetic. They were rowdy. They were loud. They were ready to celebrate. And their celebration was full of joy because of this. The triumphant entry illustrates the true desires of the people of his time. You see, it's one thing to be excited about a parade and, 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 and it's exciting to, to celebrate the championship of your football team. But it's another thing when you realize this could be the parade to celebrate the championship of your country over everybody else. That you are going to be restored to prominence again. That you are going to be the city on a hill, the shining beacon for all to see the way God promised his chosen people that adds a little more excitement, especially since they've been in captivity for so long and now under the throes of the Roman Empire. And so they treat Jesus like the conquering king that they believed him to be. First, what they did was they spread, they spread out their clothes on the road. They spread their clothes. Mark eleven eight, the very beginning of that verse, it says, many people spread out their clothes on the road. The crowd sensed Jesus' importance. And they believed him to come in the name of the Lord. They believed that he came in the name of the Lord. Majority of them may not have had a full understanding of who Jesus was or, or, or what all he could do. And, and really we know, because we can read the scriptures, and we know they didn't have a clue what was about to happen that week. They didn't have a clue as to who Jesus truly was. But they had an idea. They had a thought. They knew he came in the, Lord, in the name of the Lord. They knew that he was there for something important. They just assumed it was their political importance. And so in reverence to him, in reverence to a conquering king, in reverence to a high political officer coming to town, they took off their cloaks. They took off their overcoats and they threw them on the ground so that he could walk, the donkey could walk over them for him. And so we, we see that respect being given to Jesus. The second thing we see that they did was they waved palm branches. They wave palm branches. The second part of, of verse 8 says, While others spread branches cut from the fields. Remember of all the Gospels, we have four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 
remember of all of them, Mark is kind of the one who's just straight to the point. He's just kind of like, here, this is what it was. There's no frills, there's no fireworks, there's nothing else. This is just straight to the point and move on. Maybe I like Mark a lot for that because that's kind of what I'm like. I'm like, let's just, here's what needs to be done. Let's do it and time to move on, right? And so Mark, that's what he says. They cut branches from the field and they came in. Who cares what kind of branches they were? <clears throat> Who cares what field they came from? They just cut branches. But we, we get the palm branch because in the other Gospels, they talk more specifically about that. Matthew 21, he says, Others cut palm branches off the trees and spread them on the road. John twelve thirteen, They took palm branches and went out to meet him. So they came with palm branches. It wouldn't have seemed odd to people if they were celebrating a hero coming to town, if they were celebrating a conquering king. It, it really wasn't weird to, to get palm branches and come and wave them. Palm branches symbolized victory. And they believed that because of Jesus coming into town, they were about to have a victory, a political victory. <clears throat> and so they welcomed him with that. It wouldn't have even have been odd for them to wave them at Jesus on that day. After all, a victorious political leader was what the Jews were looking for. <clears throat> so they were waiting for someone to come and help them overthrow the government to restore them and give them the justice that they deserved. They believed Jesus was that man, so they greeted him with the waving of the palms and the laying of the palm branches on the ground also. <clears throat> the last thing that they did to show who they thought Jesus was was they shouted, Hosanna. They shouted Hosanna. The crowd was shouting words of praise and affirmation. After all, when we go to a parade, we like to, she- we like to cheer and chant, don't we? If it's a championship parade, you're chanting the names of the players. I can never get out of my mind. All my years, I, I have not lived in Philadelphia for 13 years, but that E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles chant that they do, I hate it. <laughs> Just it bores into your head. But that's what they do to celebrate their team. The one year it looked like the Eagles were going to play the Jets in the Super Bowl. And the Jets, if you don't know, they spell their name too as part of their chant. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. And uh, so it was the spelling bee Super Bowl that year. But it didn't happen, thankfully. But, but it just drills into your head. And so that's what they're doing. They're shouting out words over and over again. Words that were familiar to them. Words that they knew. Shouting it out to Jesus in hopes that he is going to respond to them. Verses 9 to 10, we, in our scripture today, we read, Hosanna, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest. While Hosanna is often used as a term of praise, is often used as a term of worship, it also can mean save us. It also means save us. A phrase we hear repeated by the children of Israel over and over again. They longed to be saved. They longed for a leader. They, they longed for, for that peace in their, and justice in their life. That as we read this, the this prophets, the, the major minor prophets of the Old Testament, we see how they were in exile for so long, and now under Roman rule, they were looking to be saved and be their own people again. They longed for that, and so they shout that to the leader coming into Jerusalem who they thought was there to do that for them. The people are echoing the words, excuse me, are echoing words found in Psalm 118. We read, Lord, please save us. Lord, please let us succeed. The one who enters 
In the Lord's name is blessed. We bless all of you from the Lord's house. So they're shouting, Lord, save us. Lord, save us. Blessings on you who come in the name of the Lord, coming right from that psalm. We also, we also see part of, part of what they're saying picked apart in 2 Samuel chapter 7 as, as God is kind of giving, giving his prophecy about the kingdom of David. He says, your dynasty and your kingdom will be secured forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. And so we have that. And we have throughout the Old Testament, and many of you are familiar with, there are lots of prophecies and lots of things that talk about the Jews being restored and, and God's chosen people being that, that, one, that great nation again. But we also know there's lots of prophecy about a humble servant who will come and be the Redeemer. There's lots of prophecies about who the Messiah truly will be and they're too fixed on how great he will make us. And so as Jesus enters into Jerusalem on this triumphal entry Sunday, as Jesus enters in, the crowd is is loud. The crowd is waving branches. The crowd is chanting. The crowd is treating him with lots of admiration and respect and love. They're full of joy and full of energy. But what happens on Monday? They go back to work. They go back to whatever they were there in town to do, Passover week. They were there to follow the customs and the rules. They were there to go back to who they were before that Sunday. We spend 40 days leading up to Easter, and we call it Lent. That's not something we just do in the Sunrise Church. That's something done in the Christian church worldwide. And we've been on this journey together, and each Sunday we've talked about different parts of of leading up to Easter time. And the challenge has been for you to, to take some time to just reflect what is God saying to you as it comes to your relationship with him? Where are you in your journey with him? Taking 40 days to experience kind of what God has for me. Maybe that means some extra scripture reading. Maybe that means some extra prayer. For some people, Lent is, is also a time to, to maybe give up a something, right? Give up something that I enjoy so that I can spend that time then focusing on what God wants for me. Maybe it's giving up your daily cup of coffee from Starbucks. Maybe it's giving up watching TV. I know a lot of people who give up social media for the 40 days. Maybe it means fasting a meal. Whatever it may mean for you. We, we, there are some church denominations out there that have more of a criteria for what it means. For us, we say, what is God speaking to you about? But we go through these 40 days and we celebrate Easter next week and we celebrate the resurrection. We celebrate the cross and the death of of Jesus on Friday and the resurrection on Sunday. And we're done with Lent and we're done with Lent season. Then the question comes back, how has he changed you? Has the season mean anything to you? Has it come across any way to you? Just like kids going to this retreat, teens going to the street, and not just teens, adults. God speaks to all of us at these, at these retreats. It's great. Just like these guys going and then they go home on Monday. How has he changed you? The people shouted victory. There was truth in the shouts that they had. There was, they were being honest and open about what they were cheering. Last weekend, our teens were, were shouting victory in worship. They were, talk, they, were, they were singing songs of praise and, and, and prayers to God. 
there's truth in there. Each Sunday we gather together and we worship God and, and there's truth in our shouting and in our prayers and in our victory here. Jesus is Emmanuel. Jesus means Emmanuel meaning God with us. He is dwelling amongst us and he is present in your situations, in your sufferings, in your hurts, in your joy, in your victories that you have and in your praise. How has God made a difference in your life? And does it show? Do we come today on the triumphal entry Sunday and we, we, we shout Hosanna in, in two different songs this morning? We shout Hosanna. But when it comes to tomorrow morning, is there a difference in your life because you shouted Hosanna today? Maybe you're shouting, save me. Save me. Because there's something inside of you that, that is just yearning for that forgiveness and that love. And that's what this week is about. There is no other week that is more about love, forgiveness, than what we have this week and what we have to celebrate this week as we move on past the triumphal entry. We move, we move to Good Friday. And we move to that time where Jesus died on the cross because for the forgiveness of our sins. That we're shouting, Hosanna, save us, save us. And Jesus says, I did. I did. Now, how have I changed you? How has that changed you this morning? Next week, we celebrate the remembrance of the resurrection, the completion of of that forgiveness and that love cycle for us. But it should change your life somehow. It should show in the way that you live. You shouldn't shouldn't be calling Hosanna one week and, and, and showing something else the next week. What happens in the scripture is we follow the storyline. We have a crowd that gathers. And, and, and honestly, the crowd is probably mostly disciples and mostly people who believe in Jesus. But like I said, anytime a group gathers, there's people who are going to jump in just because there's a group. Okay, I don't think that's changed from humanity's beginning to now. Okay? Some of those same people, though, were shouting, Hosanna. Jesus didn't change their life. It had no effect on them. What were they shouting on Friday? crucify him if you are not shouting hosanna and not living it with your life you might as well be shouting crucify him too what keeps us from doing that is is by having our lives changed having that forgiveness and living like we know we should live paul the apostle gives us a great great reminder of what that looks like in second corinthians chapter five he says if anyone is in christ that person is part of the new creation the old things have gone away, and look, the new things have arrived. The new things have arrived. If we're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, and we mean it, the old ways, the old sin should be gone, and we are fresh, new spirit. It's my same body. It's my same attitude. It's the same things that I like and dislike but now I have fresh eyes and a fresh look on what that means and the things that I should be participating in and shouldn't be participating in, saying and not saying, and all that starts to change. I become new in my sense of I am now new following God, and that should show in the way that we live. To shout Hosanna on Sunday, it needs to show. So as the worship team comes to lead us, the question for you is, has he really changed you? 
If so, does it show? Do people around you know? We started Lent with, with a couple stations up here and, uh, and a couple reminders for you. And so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna conclude our Lent series because, uh, well, next week will be Easter and we'll celebrate Easter together. But, but we're going to conclude the same way we started. But this time, we're going to go the other way. So I'm going to mess some of you up. Um, I want you to come down this aisle and then go this way around. And what I have here first is just a basic, basic glass of, of water. But remember, if Christ has changed you, if you are truly changed, one of the first things in the church we ask you to do is to be baptized. Just that reminder of, of God has washed you inside and made you a new creature, a new creation. And so on the outside, we're just demonstrating in front of friends who love you that you, that you are a new creature, a new fresh. And, and so maybe what you need as we conclude this Lent time, get ready for Easter, is just a reminder of that baptism. Reminder of, I was baptized. What did it feel like for me? What did that mean for my life? What kind of excitement did I have and, and where did that excitement go? So maybe you need that reminder. And all you have to do, honestly, over here, just tap your, tap your finger in the water. And just run it across your brow. Just feel that cold water, that cool water, and be remembered of what baptism was like. That's all you have to do there. And, and again, you don't have to do this stuff. It's up to you. But, but there's that, just to be that reminder. And then over here, I will, I will be serving communion. And so, so if you come this way and come with your hands cupped out, and I will take a piece of the bread and put it into your hand. And then you can, a reminder again of the bread being, being the body of Christ that was broken for you. The reminder of what happened this week really happened in a physical form that we have. So we break the bread. And then you can dip it into the juice the juice being the reminder of the blood that was shed for you. Okay? I, I found it so funny when I was in college. We watched a movie about, about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And one of my friends got offended because, because the character who was playing Jesus was, was, was crying out in pain and agony and, and just was groaning. And, well, what do you think? Jesus just sat there and went, okay. It hurt. He was a human. His body was broken. His blood was shed for us. And so you dip, you can dip the bread into the juice to be that reminder and then you eat it to remind yourself that the God that we caught Hosanna to on this Sunday, He has saved us. We have the victory already won. We don't have to wait for a victory to happen. The victory is already won. We just have to grab our piece of it and be a part of it. And so let that be your reminder. And so as we're singing this song, if you would like to, like I said, let's, let's go in a circle this way. So if you come this way first, if you don't want to dip into the, into the water, just bypass that, that's fine. Or wait in line until you get to over here. If once we get through the line, if there's some of you who want communion, who are unable to come forward, just kind of wave at me and uh, I'll bring you communion once we get through the, the main line. All right? Please stand as our worship team leads.